Warrior Woman, welcome to episode 100-100. My guest today, she's the queen of female physiology. But before I introduce her, I want to pause and acknowledge you. And I want to say a huge thank you, like a thank you that comes from like deep in my ovaries. I am so grateful for you, for listening, for being here Uh, for the last 99 episodes. I am so grateful for all of the feedback that I get on the podcast uh, and for you sharing, you know, your key takeaways, what's resonated with you, what you've learned by listening to the podcast. I'm just so grateful for you. And I can't wait to share the next 100 episodes with you, Warrior. So thank you for being here. And thank you for helping me celebrate episode 100. And, you know, I was on about episode uh, 80-something. And I thought, yep, I'm going to reach out and connect in with uh, my guest today to help me celebrate episode 100. And... After a few emails back and forth, Dr. Stacey Sims joins me on the podcast to celebrate episode 100. I'm so excited for this one. Stacey is the queen of female physiology and she is, she's just so powerful in this space. You know, she's a researcher, an innovator, an entrepreneur, really in human performance, but specifically in female physiology, so in sex differences in training, nutrition, and environmental conditions. And I was just so stoked when she said a big yes to joining me on the podcast. And we had such a cool conversation. Uh, She's an epic woman, and she has so much knowledge to share around female physiology. So today's episode is about mastering menopause, and we talk about the science of menopause, so what the hell is happening, uh, how we can prepare ourselves for a better and more powerful transition into menopause, and this is something that I'm super interested in right now, is you know how can we really prepare ourselves for such a cooler, better transition into that phase of our life? And we also talk about training for the menopausal woman and something super interesting came out of this piece of the conversation about how we need to polarize our training. And I made a post about that uh, quite a few weeks ago Uh, and it was, yeah, it was probably one of the coolest pieces of our conversation about how we need to train low and train high. and the way that she explains it is, yeah, it's it's really cool. So I really listen to the piece around polarizing our training and the importance of that to support our hormones. And then we also speak about nutrition for the menopausal woman, uh, her workshops, so uh, menopause for athletes and women are not small men. And so women are not small men, the workshop is open and it starts on March 4th. Uh, so today is... It's March 4th. It starts today. I think you can still register. Uh, So jump on and register for that. If not, she will open back up 
both of her courses and I highly recommend that if you're a coach or a female that you take uh, Women Are Not Small Men or Menopause for Athletes. Okay, Warrior Woman, I want you to get a pen, get some paper or get out on your walk and listen to this epic conversation that Stacey and I had on a Wednesday morning in February where we talked about all things menopause and training. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles and training with them is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition, and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard, and we should all feel strong and confident. So, this is your go-to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones, and tons of experts who want to help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Hello. Good morning. How are you? I am well. How are you? Good. I like your back, your uh, rope and rig and everything. Awesome. Yeah, this is my in my apartment. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah, it's in my living room. Uh, I like your little tile that pops up when before you pop up on the screen. <laughs> With yeah, Wonder Woman and her kid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the status quo. I think yeah. Yeah. To the point where, like right now, is it this show? Yeah, I have an Iron Man tattoo. It's been there forever. And oh, yeah. And I'm I'm getting it removed because my daughter has a uh, her name symbol is a double lightning bolt. So I'm getting the Wonder Woman shield with a double lightning bolt put over it. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So I just have to find time to do it. I'm like, yeah. And then she won't get a tattoo of her symbol because mom has it. Yeah. <laughs> then she just won't get her tattoo. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> um, the thing. You were up early this morning when you emailed me. Oh, always. Okay. It's like I yeah, get up and um, try to get on top of the day and then go out. So I, do, I get up, I do like emails and, and stuff, go for a swim or run, come back, start the day. And yeah, so I, I got rained on for the first time in like forever, you know, like, well, East Coast, West Coast, you get warm rain in the summer. It doesn't happen here in New Zealand, but it did today. I was like, oh my gosh, where am I? <laughs> so is that like a normal rhythm for you morning wise, like up early uh, emails and then you'll go out and run or ride or something? Mm -hmm. Yep. And then I'll, a uh, couple of days a week, I'll go to the gym like midday-ish, try to break up the day. Yeah. Take advantage of the quiet time in the morning before school, then school hours. Okay, I get stuff done. Oh, school's almost over. Better go get a break before I get home. So yeah, that's the day. Yeah. 
Um, and I know there's not that much time, you know, we have, you can have that nice space in the morning and then the time in between the, the school, there's always so much to do, but not a lot of time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's all right. Play dates and other things kind of get the afternoon taken care of, but yeah, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Are you but everyone does coffee? it. I am. Delicious. Yeah. Me too. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of already started, so we're just yeah. gonna, we're just going to kick it off. Uh, I am. Perfect. I'm so excited. Like, really excited. You're like famous in the world of female physiology. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. That's the aim. <laughs> Like trying to push it out and get that information out there. So, yeah, I yeah. have. Uh, I I was just thinking this morning about when I first came across your work, and it was when I was competing in Olympic weightlifting, and cool. I, you know, some day I was training a lot, like three or four hours a day, six days a week, uh, mostly Olympic lifting. And some days or weeks, it felt great. Uh, you know, I could turn up, perform, lift heavy. I felt really good. My sleep was really good. And then other days or weeks, it just turned to shit. <laughs> yeah. And eventually I got injured. And so I had to take some time off and I got really frustrated because I was like, you know, I had an amazing coach, uh, a really good program. You know, I was on top of my nutrition, my recovery. And I was like, what is missing? Like, what is missing out of all this training thing? And this is when I came across like your work and started to look at the cycle uh, and our physiology. Awesome. And now I, I've always had a cycle. It's arrived on time regularly, mostly without symptoms. And so I guess like I never really thought about it that much. Uh, and then I dived into Roar, which is sitting right here awesome. <laughs> under Perfect. my microphone, which uh, <laughs> uh, I love having it yeah, close by when I'm working most days. And so that's how I found you and found your work and found this whole space of uh, female physiology and, and training. And I just became obsessed with, with it. And now awesome. I guess, you know, I, I'd love today to talk about like mastering like menopause. And I'm a bit obsessed with, you know, with this, with this topic or this idea or concept around how can we prepare ourselves better to enter into this like next phase of our life. Uh, most yeah. of the women that I work with are in their 40s or 50s. Uh, and, you know, from years of dieting and overtraining and having such a stressed body, they're having a really hard time. And so now I'm obsessed with this idea of, okay, you know, how can we prepare them for this transition? And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Perfect. Love it. <laughs> Lots of things to tell you. Okay, well, do you, like, do you want to pick a starting point? Um, sure. Why don't we start at the beginning of, like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, let's always start at the beginning. <laughs> Instead of in the middle where people are like, I don't know, what? what? Um, so, yeah, like, in our early 40s, we kind of get away with what we used to be doing and still see results. But then it's, like, 42, 43, things are kind of like, what's going on? 
what's I'm not like not finding the results. And it's about this time where we start to have changes in our ratio of hormones. Where estrogen starts to become more dominant, we don't have as many ovulatory cycles. We don't have as much progesterone coming up. Um, sometimes estrogen levels are lower, so we're having all these different changes. So our our cycles might still be the same, but those hormones are fluctuating. So the way that they, our bodies are responding to stress, the way it's responding to carbohydrates, the way it's responding to sleep are all changing. So all of these things factor into all of a sudden going, wait, what's going on? I'm tired, I'm run down, I'm training hard, but I'm not seeing results. And if you go to your GP, they're like, oh, it's just because you're in this phase of your life where you're too stressed and you might have little kids, you might have older parents. And a lot of people say, oh no, it's like, quote, rushing woman syndrome or adrenal fatigue or you know stress burnout, but it's not. Is that these hormones are fluctuating, which affects every system of the body. So it affects our mood, it affects our ability to focus, it affects our ability to build lean mass, to shift body fat, to um, get gains in top end of either anaerobic or strength capacity. So we start factoring that underlying thing and understanding this is what we call perimenopause, right before we hit menopause. This is where we have the biggest changes and we see body um, fat gain, lean mass loss, lots of mood changes, anxiety, poor sleep. But if we take a handle on it and go, okay, well, we have to look at how our bodies are responding to stress or not responding to stress and adjust our training and our nutrition to kind of take the place of what these hormones used to do in a positive way. So it's not about taking supplements per se. It's not about, um, you know, doing your 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise, which doesn't do anybody any good, right? I <laughs> yeah. hate that recommendation. It's like, nah. It's, it's taking the focus on, on lifting heavy to get neuromuscular. Also, that lifting heavy takes the place of what estrogen used to do with regards to muscle contraction and building lean mass. We have to look at polarizing our training. So we have that top, top end. And then very, very low end. So we stay out of that moderate intensity where so many people go. So if we stay in that moderate intensity, it increases our cortisol, which we don't want because we already have a higher baseline of cortisol in this in this time period of stressed body. And it's too hard to be easy. So we don't get any of the signaling for the adaptations that we want. And it's also too easy to be hard. So we have to really think about polarizing. So we start looking at someone who's endurance oriented or lifting or anything like that, we really have to focus on, okay, what is the goal? We want 80% quality work during the week. And then maybe 20% is that really long endurance or the playing stuff, which is opposite of what we hear out there where we want to do 80% long, slow stuff and 20% intensity because that long, slow stuff doesn't work for women. Our bodies are already really well designed to go long and slow. And that doesn't have anything to do with hormones. It has everything to do with sex differences from birth. The way our muscle fibers are, are divided by fast twitch and slow twitch, the way that our bodies have more capacity for burning fatty acids within the muscle fibers compared to men. The fact that we have lower uh, creatine, so we don't have as much um, availability for that high fast in energetics. When we talk about women who are in this phase and they pull in the whole, well, I'm not training hard enough, I'm eating too much because my, I'm gaining weight and I'm not adapting to training. 
then they fall into this whole rhythm of we look at low energy availability, we look at they can't hit top ends, they can't lift the way they should. So they get their low energy availability and they stay in this modern intensity tired zone that just increases all the compounding variables that we have, like poor sleep, body composition changing in a negative way, no adaptations, high stress. So that's the big overview. So we can dig in. <laughs> yeah, let's dig Let's dig in a little bit. Uh, where should we start the digging, do you reckon? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Uh, like, I, I love the sciencey stuff, and I think it's super important for women to understand what's happening on a, a hormonal level and, and the mm-hmm. changes in these hormones. So maybe we could just dig into that a little bit. Uh, and then from there, let's dig into the training stuff. So I really loved how you explained, uh, like, this level. You know, I'm picturing it. I'm picturing it, like, low level, high level, and this middle chunk. And so I'd really like to dive in there and look at, okay, what does low, like, what does the low level stuff look like? What does the high level stuff look like? You know, what, how, yeah. How do we structure or approach our training? What do you reckon? Sounds good. Okay. So let's dive a little bit more into like the, the hormonal stuff. So as we are entering into like forties or perimenopause, uh, yeah. What's like, what's, what's happening. So when we're in perimenopause, it's the, the beginning of what they medically technically say ovarian failure. So you're not going to be ovulating. Your ovaries aren't going to be producing estrogen. If you don't ovulate, you also don't produce progesterone. So as we're approaching that, then we start having the reduction, of course, of progesterone because you have more and more anovulatory cycles. And you'll see this with irregularity. So when you're having irregular cycles, because that follicular phase, that low hormone phase really extends because that's the time that the body is using to develop the follicle that will then release the egg. So if you're under a lot of stress and there aren't eggs to be released or nothing's maturing, then you have really long cycles. So we'll see this irregularity. Or you might have normal patterns, but then your bleed pattern changes from like a seven-day bleed pattern to a two-day bleed pattern. So these are all signs that there is that beginning of that ovarian failure. So when we look at what estrogen does in isolation, it's responsible for um, signaling lean mass development. It's also responsible for the myosin action of the myosin actin filament for muscle contraction. So we start losing estrogen, we need to look at ways that we can increase the signaling for lean mass and strength. So if we look at the pathway of um, muscle protein synthesis, there are three primary pathways. We have amino acids, which comes from protein. We have mechanical or, or physical activity stress. And we have um, insulin growth factor one or IGF-1, which is an, is an estrogen pathway. It's signaled through estrogen. So when we lose that IGF-1 and es- estrogen, we only have two. So we have to look at really focusing on the mechanical stress, which is that physical activity. So lifting heavy, because that's the stress that will signal lean mass development, myosin activation. And we have to follow it up with good hits of protein or have a higher amount of amino acid circulating so that we have those two pathways completely activated to keep that lean mass development going. When you look at progesterone, progesterone in isolation, it is good and bad and the fact that it breaks things down 
but it also is really responsible for blood glucose control because it shuttles carbohydrate away from the liver and muscle to put in the endometrial lining as it's being built. Mm. When we lose progesterone, then we lose some of the uh, sensitivity to insulin because when progesterone is in its action, we have an upregulation of what we call GLUT4. So GLUT4's pathway that allows um, sugar just to come into the liver and just to come into the muscle without using insulin. So when those aren't upregulated, then we're like, okay, now we have some more insulin sensitivity. So what do we do to activate that GLUT4 pathway? Well, the other way that we could do that is through high-intensity plyometric type work or really high-intensity 20-30-second strong um, strong stress to the muscle because the muscle's like, shoot, I need a lot of carbohydrate to come in quickly. Mm. So it upregulates and activates those GLUT4s. So when we're looking at what these hormones do with regards to body composition and blood sugar control, they're super, super important. So when we start losing them, this is what I mean, we lose those, and then we need to say what kinds of stressors can we do to get the same signaling that these hormones used to do? And that's where we get into the training and the nutrition scope. Yeah, yeah. I Okay, before we get into the training, I have a question, something that I've been curious about, and I don't know if you found it in your work or in the research. If we do all this stuff, like earlier in life, you know, if we're going to mm-hmm. prepare like the, the younger females to lift heavy, to really support their metabolism, their hormones, their physiology, have you found that we enter perimenopause or menopause later or that transition is easier the transition is easier but the um when you hit perimenopause is more of a genetic thing you look at what your mom and your grandmother went through then you know pretty much how you're going to be affected unless like body composition is completely different where they were relatively overweight and you're super lean, then there can be a little bit of a, a, of a difference of vasomotor symptoms, but the biological age at which you reach menopause or perimenopause is relatively set from a genetic standpoint. Okay. Interesting. But uh, if we adopt like, you know, uh, approach training and, and maybe a different way from what we have been doing, you know, in the past is long, slow, super stressful, not eating enough, low energy availability, the body's really stressed. If we can put in strategies and maybe change our approach, you have found that the transition into it, uh, and so much easier. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Because all the, um, all the body composition changes and everything that happen uh they start really occurring six years before you hit that one point in time which we say menopause like we say menopause is a as a day on the calendar let's celebrate it right it's that one point in time that means 12 months no period but all of the changes start happening in that six-ish years beforehand and if we want to attack that six-ish years before we get there we need to start implementing stuff in our 30s. But not only that, when I'm working with women who are in their late 20s, early 30s, I'm like, resistance train, because that's the best way to change body composition, improve performance, whether being a um, specific resistance trained athlete, of course, or an endurance athlete. Because the more endurance that you do and the more patterning you do with that, you'll get weaker in your weak points. And 
may be stronger in your strong points, but supplementing with heavy resistance training, you're going to put a lot of strength into it, but not bulk. So if we're looking at lifting heavy, like it's really hard to build a lot of tissue because you're not actually signaling for that hypertrophy and women don't have a lot of testosterone. So to get that bulk, as you know, as being a power lifter, <laughs> it takes a shit ton of work and a shit ton of food, right? Yeah. It takes so much work. Uh, and this is what totally. I say to the women that I work with all of the time. Like I... You know, I've done something my whole life. I come from a gymnastics background. I've had a solid practice for the last, you know, 10, 12 years. And it takes so much work to develop the muscle, to to keep the muscle tissue on you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And people are afraid to eat. Yes. They're like, oh, I can't eat because if I eat, I'll put on, I'll put on fat. But it's not like you can't put on lean mass unless you have an abundance, especially with amino acids. And we look at people like, oh, you can only absorb 20 grams. It's like, no, no, it's not about that. It's about having circulating amino acid pool for all the function, including lean mass. And if you're training, even though this is an endurance athlete, you need to eat in order to get adaptation, in order to build tissue that's going to support your activity. And women are afraid to eat. I blame the 80s and snack well cookies, you know, like that whole low fat calories in, calories out. Let's look at Jane Fonda type stuff. And it's yeah. still that prevailing, you know, it's that messaging that still is everywhere. And I'm, women's magazines at Christmas time in order to, like you had three cookies, you have to run for 30 minutes on the treadmill. It's like, no, that's bullshit. It's not a calories in, calories out. Sorry, I ran over. <laughs> no, no, it's so like it's so important. Uh, and I know you say this in your work a lot is that so many women are just in this low energy availability state and they have been there for years or decades. Their body yeah. has not been nourished. And this is one of the reasons why we can't get the results that we want and we can't perform is because the body doesn't have the energy to do right. it. And then and why people get injured. Yes, the chronic injury, like you have the chronic soft tissue, but then you start looking at joint issues, right? And degenerative um, joint issues, arthritis, that kind of stuff. It's like if you had the nourishment throughout all of the stress, then it would not be as severe as a decline when you get into your late 30s and 40s. So, yeah, it's just this huge ramification. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's the same with like with the training, you know, a lot of women, they don't, they haven't come from like strength training backgrounds. They, mm-hmm. they haven't been taught to like build their body from the ground up, like strong, like strong, you know, good movement patterns. They haven't been taught like tension, effort, control, stability. Like how do we generate like the force and the power to right. lift heavy weight? Right, exactly. And part of that also is the cultural thing, right? Like the images still that you see for advertisements for any gym, you have like the men that are in the weight room and then you have the women that are like on the Stairmaster or the elliptical. It's like, no. So it's just that prevailing concept that if a woman goes to a gym, she probably shouldn't be lifting or interfering with the men that are in the weight room. Where like I started lifting back in high school. And when it really wasn't cool to be a woman in the gym, right? (laughs) And then at university being on the rowing team or the crew team and going down there and there's like the football players, the baseball players, and no women except for us that were on the crew team were in the weight room. And 
and it's just you look around now you go and there's a lot of women in there but they don't necessarily live properly but at least the culture sort of changing but it's still that prevailing idea that women shouldn't be lifting and if they do it's three sets of 10 at a lighter weight to get quote toned there's no such like no no yeah we have to look at what are you doing don't do like what is it body burn or booty by bread or whatever that is right (laughs) this is just not right it's not helpful yeah let's dive into a bit about like i the before you mentioned uh, this strength training and, you know, the, to create the stimulus and where we're working, uh, you know, is such a, a lower rep range and where what we're demanding from the body compared to what you just mentioned, like that three by 10 and just staying there forever. Let's talk yeah. about why, why that, <laughs> why that doesn't, doesn't work, work and why. <laughs> right. So when we talk about resistance training and you'll know this from your background, right? When we first talk about resistance training, people are like, oh, let's do body weight exercises because that's a little bit of tension under load. It's like, no, that's not what we mean. We mean by lifting heavy. And by heavy, it's that zero to six reps where each set is progressively heavier, but you're failing under good movement patterns. And when you're doing that, you're really taxing into the nervous system to get that stronger muscle contraction. So we're recruiting more fibers for muscle contraction. We're not stimulating the muscle necessarily to rip and then um, be filled out more, which is in that higher rep range that doesn't really stimulate that strength. So again, when women are afraid of putting bulk on, then when you're defaulting into the higher rep range, that's hypertrophy. And if you have a tendency to put on bulk, which most women don't, And that's a surefire way way to like really start to put on an extra muscle. But when you're looking at that strength, we're just developing the nervous system. Yes, you will get tissue development. Of course you will, because you're getting stronger. But that whole strength and muscle contraction, we're looking at the integrity of the muscle and the muscle fibers. And this is what we need to do. We need to really look at that lower rep range that is really heavy. It's not cardiovascularly taxing because then that's completely different workout. We're looking at strength and force under load, and you're moving that heavy weight, which is relative, of course, through really good movement patterns and trying to get that zero to six rep for that four to five sets. And it might be you're just going in and you're doing some posterior chain work. So you're just doing deadlifts and maybe, you know, Romanian dead, single leg Romanian deadlifts. So you're complementing. And that's it. Well, because women I work with are like, I don't have time to go to the gym for two hours. I'm like, who's going to the gym for two hours? I'm talking like a 20 to 30 minute session done and dusted. And if you feel like you need a cardiovascular hit afterwards, you do all your heavy lifting and then maybe you finish off with some box. And that's it. So you get a really strong stimulus. You get strength development. You get body composition change. And then you have a whole bunch of time. And your body is like, great. Now where's the food so that I can recover? and be able to build that strength and get on with what I need to do. Yeah. Okay. I love it. I love it. And you're talking about like big movement patterns. You were talking about deadlifts and squats and, uh, you know, all those variations, all those variations. Yeah. We don't, we don't need to list off. There's so many variations. Okay. Probably not snatch. Yeah. (laughs) That's a pretty technical movement. That's really not that functional. 
Yeah. But if you like it, you can go for it. <laughs> I love snatching, but uh, yeah. <laughs> the technicality <laughs> and the demand that it requires for, for mobility so from the body. Yeah. I know. Um, so technical. I get in awe when I see power lifters either in competition or like you, ex power lifter, who just execute it beautifully. I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's a beautiful sport to watch. And especially if you do a little bit of lifting and you understand the technicality and the strength behind, you know, what it takes, yeah, to put the bar over your head or to clean and jerk a certain weight. It's, yep. um, it's yeah, cool. it's, it's so yeah. cool. Uh, okay. Big, big movements, uh, lower reps, uh, Okay, how many, like when you work with athletes and women, how many times are, are they like lifting? Are they creating this stimulus in this, um, yeah, through like a week? Uh, so the way that I pattern it is I do two weeks on, one week off in peri and postmenopause. And that is to maximize recovery. So if we're looking at that 14 day block, I try to get them to do some kind of lifting resistance training minimum three times a week. And they're like, whoa. And because I work in the, more in the endurance space, they're like, well, where do I get my long runs or my long rides? It's like, you don't need so much to do that. So what we do is we do that heavy lifting and then I'll have them follow up with some running drills on the treadmill or some cycling drills or have them go right up a hill. So they're taking the residual fatigue from lifting and putting it into their movement pattern. And when you're looking at developing all that strength, then all of a sudden, oh, I have a 150-mile gravel ride, but I haven't really gone out there to do 150 miles or all the saddle time. It's like, then they get out there and like, oh my gosh, I feel so awesome. It's because of the strength, not only the, the muscular strength they're pushing the pedals, but the core strength, the lower back strength, like all of that total body strength, they need to be endured and, res and resistance to that longer stuff. So we'll have that minimum three weeks and we try to go like hard, hard, moderate, easy, easy. And then on the weekend, put a couple of hard sessions, but from their main sport of choice. So if they're cycling, then it's some um, top end VO2 work. If they're running, then it's hill reps. But again, the volume is super, super low. So we're focusing on the quality of the work. And then that deload week, because they're like, I can't take a full week off, which most people will be, you know, for a lot of us, it's we train not only for the competition, if we're in it, but also for the mental capacity, right? So that easy week is doing more mobility work. We're look, working at technique under the bar. We're doing running drills. And then we'll throw in a couple of really long, slow super, 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 super low intensity endurance stuff. So if they're ultra runners, might have them do two long days on the feet, hitting a max of a rating perceived exertion of four, maybe five, especially when they're going up the hill. So they're staying in that really low, low, pure, embarrassingly slow run zone, right? And they're like, oh, our power walker is passing. I'm like, brilliant, that's what we want. Yes, you're doing all the hard work and that's going to allow you to get up the hill and you know get some speed work in and we do a little bit of speed work during that week to get that top end but then when you go out staying out of that modern intensity zone like you want to be embarrassingly slow and if you see someone you want to chat with then you can stop and have a chat that's fine and, yeah. and it gets people they're like what i can't finish a 50 mile running race doing that i'm like oh yes you can oh yes you can because coaching hasn't caught up with the science. Oh yeah. <laughs> and 
<laughs> we're looking at physiology and how we maximize the training for women, this is what we do. Top end is the bulk of it. And then from the endurance standpoint, time on the feet is important for ultra runners. Time in the saddle is important for people who are doing the long bike rides, but that's not the focus. Yeah. I, I just, I love how you like express and articulate that. I love the visual that I can see about this like top, the top and then the, the low end. And for, yeah. yeah, for all the women listening, like this middle piece, like stay out of the, <laughs> it's a big, like, it's, you know, when you see those things that are blacked out or redacted and has a big black line through it. So yeah. put a big black line in that middle block and then have green and green. Yeah. We have a little visitor. <laughs> this is my daughter. You want to say hi? Hi. hi. What are you doing? Going to school. You're going to school. Lovely. School time. Is it eight yep. eight thirty? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday was the first day of school here, which is weird, right? Uh -huh. It's the first year. So in the States, she would still be mid fourth grade, but she started fifth grade yesterday. I was like, wait, huh? So, yeah. Anyway. It's um it's a bit backwards here. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you started fourth grade. She started fifth grade. She started when, fifth grade. Yeah. She's nine and started fifth grade, which I'm like, whoa. I anyway. love that. I love that she's come in to get you to brush her hair. Ponytail. Well, <laughs> pretend she's not here and keep talking. <laughs> Okay. Um, what were we saying? Okay. Yeah. The big black line. Redacting, redacting yeah. the, the middle bit and then having green at the top and green at the bottom. Maybe it's red with a big black redacted line in the middle. Yeah. I like that. That's a good visual. It's a powerful visual. We should create that and then you can put it on, on your um, podcast page and be yeah. like, this is what we mean. Yes. It would yeah. be a super powerful visual. I think it's really yeah. important for, yeah. Stay out. Yeah, I love yeah. a good visual. Yeah. <laughs> it's powerful. Just like eating. Just like eating, right? We should have pictures of of when you're training, put food around it, and then people will want to, like, have a little bit of calorie restriction, have, like, a big green circle where you should have your calorie restriction right before bed. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about food. <laughs> Let's talk about its role in in all of this. Uh, its role for our hormones, for our recovery, for our training. Yeah, food's important. So when we look at it, it's like full stop. We, food is important. Full stop. Full stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, full stop. But we don't get fitter when we're training, and I think this is the disconnect where people are like, "I'm going to go fasted training, and this is where I'm going to get fitter because I'm running." or I'm lifting or whatever. But if you're not fueled for it, your body's already in a stress state. So it's not gonna take on that exercise stress in a good capacity and be like, hey, we need to adapt to it. It's gonna be like, oh my gosh, here's the stress and I don't have food for it. I better find a way to store up so that if I have this again. So we already like in the perimenopause, we already have a higher baseline of cortisol just because we're having all these changes. And then if you're trying to train without food, you're, again, jacking that cortisol up. And if you have elevated cortisol, then it's like, why are you training? 
because you're just kind of beating yourself against the wall and you end up in that moderate zone, even though it feels hard, you're still not hitting that top end. And when you're looking at, you know, what does your body need for adaptation? It needs, again, mechanical stress and it needs food. So if you're doing fasted training or you're delaying your food intake post-training, you're staying in this breakdown high cortisol state the whole time and your body's not going to respond. It's going to respond by downturning your metabolic rate and putting on body fat. And if we're looking at what are we doing, we're fueling for the mechanical stress. And then for women who are concerned about a little bit of calorie restriction, we take it away from training. The best thing that people could do is not eat after dinner. There you get your calorie restriction, no nighttime munchies, no like pre-bed snack. Take away that extra 150 or so calories, maybe it's from dinner, and sleep well, get up, have a little bit of food, do training, then have breakfast. Like that is the best pattern that you can get into that supports all of the changes that are going on in your body, helps your body understand that the mechanical stress of exercise is something that we want to embrace and recover from. Also, when we are looking at fueling post-exercise, this is where we can maximize all of those good changes that have happened during exercise with regards to pulling glucose into the muscle, stimulating the muscle protein synthesis, like getting better blood glucose control, and stimulating um, the body not to store belly fat, but to actually use those fatty acids for fuel. So when we look at all the things that we want to do, I just am aghast at women who are like, oh, no, I'm still doing fasted training. I'm like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like when we think about it, and I, ex I explain it over and over and over, by about the fifth time, they finally click and have something to eat. And they're like, oh, my God, I felt so awesome in my work. It's like, yes, yes. Okay, so from what I'm hearing, the first piece is like, are we eating enough? Like, do we even have enough energy coming into the body? And then right. uh, protein, you talk a lot about protein, like making yep. sure that we're eating enough protein. It's a big part of like our recovery and supporting our training. So that would be a, a focus. And then mm -hmm. this whole idea of how are we eating and, and fueling around training? Yeah. Uh, becomes like a strategy that we we can definitely focus on. Yeah. And protein is super important, not only for all the people that are training, but we become more anabolic resistant as we age. And we need more protein just to keep aging well. And we'll see studies that are saying, oh, 40 gram hit post-exercise um, doesn't necessarily work. And it's like, well, actually it does when you look at what's happening because they are measuring how many amino acids are going in, how many are being excreted. And when you get to women who are in perimenopause, the uptake is really good. When you get to men that are in their late 50s, early 60s, it's really good. But a lot of the research again is done earlier age. They're not looking at the anabolic resistance. So when we're talking about perimenopause and aging, that protein is really, really important throughout the day, but especially post-exercise. Yeah. And did you say 40? Yep. 40 grams post-exercise. And for every meal, you're trying to get 30 to 40 grams as well. So it's that even distribution throughout the day and really hitting that focus right after exercise. Yeah. Okay. We're lifting heavy shit. Yes, we are. <laughs> At least three times a week. Yep. We want to add a bit of jumping in there, like plyometric work. 
great yeah. for our bones. Uh, yeah. We want to be eating enough food, eat food. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And we need protein. Like it needs to yeah. be spread evenly over the day. And then when we're in that perimenopause uh, phase, we're looking for that like 40 grams post-training. Yep. yep. Okay. I hope you're listening, women out there. Yeah. <laughs> Get were, your strategies going. Yeah, they were great strategies. Uh, okay. Anything else you want to chat about with the nutrition? Uh, carbohydrate sensitivity changes as well. So if you want to eat like this quick hit of, of carbs, eat it in and around training because that's when your body can use it really well. But if you are not so great about that, then really start gravitating more towards fruit and veg, right, for your carbohydrate. So not only that, um, it helps your gut, right? We need to feed the gut bacteria and the gut microbiome for the most part, keeping really good diversity because that also helps with aging and training adaptations. Yeah. Planning your carbohydrates, what kind you're eating, super important. So around training. So if you're someone who likes a cold bowl of cereal, perfect. Have it right before training. Then you get that quick hit. Um, but probably not a good dinner. No. Some, not a good dinner. <laughs> the bowl of cornflakes. No. Yeah, not a good dinner. <laughs> not, not a good, good dinner. <laughs> okay, so... Carbohydrates, I, I think they're so, they can be so undereaten, uh, especially mm -hmm. like roots, fruits, you know, those quality carbohydrates. And I, I think they can be especially undereaten around our training. Uh, yeah. And so women are carbohydrate phobic, right? <laughs> and they should be. Carbs are really good. Um, yeah. And a lot of it stems too, it's a sex difference. So not only, like I'm saying, oh, watch on the carbs, but I don't mean exclude them at all. I mean, you need them because we have two areas in the brain that are responsible for appetite and endocrine function, but men have one. So the threshold that you're saying for like ketogenic and intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating is all based on male data that their sensitivity to these kinds of diets are not, it's not as, as sensitive as it is for women. So when women start to drop too low in carbohydrate, their hypothalamus is like, wait a second. And so you start having appetite hormone um, alterations where you start getting the signal to eat more regardless of how much you've eaten. And you also have um, the signaling to let's downturn the endocrine system, let's downturn the thyroid. You need carbohydrate. It's the same as, as like big rock, eat. Eat enough. Don't follow that like 11 to 1500 calorie diet. That just oh. doesn't work. It's like baseline sitting on a couch Netflix style because you're sick. But as soon as you start getting up and moving around, even on a recovery day, you need closer to that 2000. And we start adding training in that even bumps it up more. And people are afraid to eat, but you need it. Yeah. If you want to train hard, perform, get results, get a body composition change, you need to eat food. Yes. Because <laughs> that totally. food is going to allow you to train hard. Uh, to create the stimulus, to train consistently, to perform, which will, will get the result, especially when it comes to the body composition. I tell women that I work with all of the time that the focus needs to be like eating enough and training hard. And as a byproduct, a lot of the time, the body composition will, will come as, as the byproduct right. of of learning to train properly and training hard and fueling yourself properly. 
Right. And don't make the mistake that so many people do that on recovery day, you don't eat as much because recovery day means recovery. Your body's like, I need to recover. I need to build tissue. I need to like totally get into the green. So I'm ready to hit it hard the next day. And you need to fuel that. I work with professional athletes who are like, oh, the dietitian said I should only have 1100 calories on a rest day. I'm like, what are you kidding me? Because I'm supposed to be looking hard weight or losing weight. Like, no, 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 (laughs) no. That doesn't even keep the body just like functioning. No, No, not at all. Not at all. But then if it comes from someone like that, it perpetuates this fear that I'm eating too much. It's like, well, you're not going to shift your body weight if you're not eating enough. So we need to eat more. And then when people start eating more and they see that it's really easy to shift body comp because of training and fueling for it, then they're like, what have I been doing all these years? Yeah. Like, why have I been? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's the biggest thing. That is the big, like the, the coolest thing, I think, with women who have just been under eating and, and stressing their body for so long and not putting the right stimulus on it. When they learn like this approach, it's like mind blowing. Like I know. The, it's great. Like, it's so cool. I know. I know. It's awesome. I just wish that we could just infuse it into everybody's like, see the pictures that we see, like with the polarized training. Yes. And then when I talk about fueling in and around training, I see like the food go in and all the cellular processes to be able to hit the height. I wish I could just transfer that to every woman's brain and they could be like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's, I'd love to finish our conversation. Uh, like what, what are you, like, what are you doing? What are you studying? Like what, what, is there any new research? Are you super interested and fascinated with something right now? I've got so many things on the, on the go. <laughs> Let's see. What's interesting. So um, I have a, a new PhD student that's come in and we are doing specific um, randomized control to look at like that, three by 10 versus heavy lifting for Perry. No way. Very excited about that. Looking at like proper form, we're using PTs that can, and we're also using a digital platform. So like the tonal system and those kinds of things that give you key terms and stuff. So we're seeing what is the best way for people to learn how to lift heavy and what does the heavy lifting do? So I'm very excited about that. That Is this, have you started it? We have ethical approval and we're piloting right now. So I'm very excited. So it'll be good. Um, so that one's cool. We have another one that's in the younger set looking at um, menstrual cycle phase-based training and resistance trained athletes because a lot of it has been done, you know, hit or miss. So we have very tightly controlled um, study on that with power lifters. That's cool. That's and really cool. Yeah. I've worked with some of the um, Olympic coaches here, Olympic lifting coaches, and they, you know, you have the issue of meeting weight class. And so some of the younger girls were amenorrheic because they're trying to hit weight class. They lifted the weight restriction just for a season saying, you know what? I don't care. What I want you to do is I want you to get healthy. I want you to eat and I want you to lift. And so kind of like how we were saying when body composition settles, none of them had to go up in weight class but they were winning because now they were fueled. Their body composition fell into what it needed to be and they didn't have issues with trying to make weight. So like that was cool. And now they're like, okay, well now we want to really phase in. Now everyone has their cycles back. 
how do we do this? How do we work it? So that's how that study came out. That was cool. Um, and then the sex differences in concussion recovery is another one that we're doing. Um, I've recently partnered with a sport nutrition distribution to have a supplement delivery to based on your lifespan and your life stage. So it's like we talk about adaptogens, we talk about uh, different supplements you should take when you're perimenopause. So now it's like, here, here's a subscription and this box delivers and you just take this every day and just keep so it's like and curated for you. So that's an industry project. So those are some of the three, three or four big things that I'm doing. And I'm working with Wild AI still and working with Whoop still. So yeah, lots of cool things. And our new book coming out. You have a new book? We have a new book. It's coming out on the 17th of May. It's called Next Level that Celine and I have written. And it's all about the peri and postmenopause space. So everything that we've talked about today, you can pre-order it now and get a little preview. Um, but yes, very excited about that. Because that was one of the biggest questions we had when Roar came out. And people were like, well, there's one chapter on menopause, but I need more. So wrote the course, had the course going, menopause for athletes. And then we're like, we got to get this book out. So. COVID delays, it's about two years late, but it's finally coming out on the 17th of May. Super 17th excited. of May, new yep. book. Next level, Kicking Ass and Menopause and Beyond. Kicking Ass in Menopause and Beyond, I love that. Okay, nice. they're, they're huge projects. It's gonna be a huge few years for you. I know, I know. I try to compartmentalize, but I just get so like, I can't say no because there's not a lot of stuff out there for women. And I'm like, and all these women want to know, so I can't say no. So that's okay. I got some students helping. Some really cool women who are very passionate about it. Younger generation coming up. I'm like, let's do this. Let's oh, you're a force, a force. You and your oh, students. Thanks. Yeah, uh, an important force. Okay. Well, let's let's end it there. I think. On, oh okay. no, I want you to talk a little bit about your courses. So, Menopause for Athletes just started, just yep. just launched, uh, and you registrations open for no. When does it open for women and not small men? Fifth uh, of March. March. Yep. So it's coming up too. Yep. Yeah. I tell and every coach. <laughs> especially every male coach awesome <laughs> that they need I need to take your courses yes thanks we are having a larger uptick for men I'm very yeah. excited so when men enroll I'm like yay and yeah like it's cool and they're very open to learning which is fantastic yeah they coaches, really coaches come in we've also had um dads of of female you know, like teenage athletes and stuff wanting to know more to be able to tell their their so the word's getting out like men are becoming more invested in it too, which is fantastic because we need to, to push it out besides the insular that all of us women want to know. So we also yeah. need some of the buy-in from the patriarchy. Yeah, cool. yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I celebrate all the males out there that are super interested and curious yeah. and like do the research or, or read the book or, or go like do the course uh, because a lot of our coaches, they're males. You know, all I know. of my coaches my whole my whole life have been male and not one had ever spoken to me about my cycle or my hormones. And now they were yeah. amazing coaches, uh, you know, 
but just we weren't taught about it. We weren't, we, I wasn't even taught about it and I've done two degrees and I am a female. Yeah. So Yeah, I know. I know. I was working with um, the soccer development team here and their new coach, after I gave a presentation, he's like, I just have a lot of questions. And I was like, okay, yeah. And he goes, well, I just finished my master's degree and we never, like, never even talked about this. So why is that? And I was like, because textbooks and courses haven't caught up either. So yeah, it's up to you to take the new information, which really isn't that new, but new and implement it. So he is very excited and dug in. And it's like, I still can't believe that people get out with sports science degrees and the word menstrual cycle isn't even like those two words are not mentioned. We have to go from grassroots up and keep pushing it out like we're doing here with your podcast and everything. So, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, yeah. It's in the last like five or six years. It's, you know, yeah, the space becoming less taboo. Yep. Space is growing, which is great. The space is growing. Um, And I like I want to celebrate you and the work that you do and how you show up uh, because you've played a really big part in in that in the birth of that over the last like six or seven years you know and I'm you've been doing it for way longer than that but but, (laughs) uh, it's come into like I guess the sphere and the world and the social media world definitely the last like seven years so yeah um yeah I appreciate you and I appreciate uh your time because I know that you are very busy so Mm. No, it's just one day at a time. It, it is. Everything is. Yeah, one day yeah. at a time. One meal at a time, one training session at a time, one sleep at a time, one day at a time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's perfect. Okay. Yep. Dr. Cool. Stacy Sims. Thank you so much for having me. It's been super fun. Warrior Woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. Please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaways.